Welcome to Booked, where two posh cunts tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. This fucking gadge comes up with this. <laughs> this clever intro. Uh, that was a lot longer than what you heard. Um, <laughs> but that's a perfect way to kick off this review episode of uh, Booked. Um, here's a little backstory. So we're reviewing something that's a little older than we normally do. But this yeah. is um, through our Patreon um what do we call them? Spiffs? What are they? Rewards? Yeah. Awards, um, something? Yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. So Jesse Lawrence, a longtime friend of the podcast and a staunch Patreon supporter, um, used his his reward to have us read A Decent Ride by Irvine Welsh. Um, this is going to be this is going to make for for an interesting review because there's a, there's a lot of mixed feelings on on this book. So uh, if you're not familiar with him, Irvine Welsh is the best-selling author of Train Spotting, Ecstasy, Glue, Porno, Filth, Marabou, Stork Nightmares, The Acid House, Skag Boys, and most recently, The Sex Lives of Siamese Twins, and currently is our neighbor in Chicago, Illinois. <clears throat> So, this is going to be an interesting review because, uh, for me, this is my first Welsh book that I'm reading, which is one of those things where when you hear, you know, the things he's read, he's written and stuff, you're like, oh, man, I feel bad for not having read other stuff. Um, what about you, Olivia's? Um, yeah, I'm, pro- <laughs> I'm probably the last one, too. <laughs> if oh, you no. no. No, I haven't read any Irvine Welsh, <laughs> but um, if this is if this is the the... Um, you know the 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 meter by which we're going to judge Irvine Welsh. Um, again, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting interesting review. But you're right. I mean, Train Spotting is is huge, and, and I know Porno. The other ones, I mean, I've seen them because let's face it, when when you participate in the same social media community that that we do, yeah, yeah Irvine Welsh comes up uh, frequently. Um, so now the question becomes, why so frequently? Maybe we'll find out in this review. Uh, well, before we dive into our review of the book, here's the synopsis that we pulled from Amazon. A Decent Ride sees Irvine Welsh back in Edinburgh. Berg? Do you say the Berg? Edinburgh? I think it's Edinburgh, but Edinburgh. I don't know. I, it's I'm one of those, sure. see, it already, yeah. see? Yeah, we're already having trouble with language. Uh, this time with one of his most compelling and popular characters front and center, the rampaging force of nature that is Juice Terry Lawson, first seen in Glue. Juice is a man who contains multitudes. He's a top shagger, drug dealing, gonzo porn star, and taxi driver. As we ride along in Juice's cab through the depraved streets of Edinburgh, I'm just going to say that, Juice encounters a series of charmingly filthy characters, each of whom present their own um, unique challenges. He has the uh is actually part of the synopsis. That wasn't me. Has he finally met his match in Hurricane Bawbag? Can he discover the fate of the missing beauty, Jinty Magdalene, and keep her idiot savant lover, the man-child wee Jaunty, out of prison? Will he find out the real motives of unscrupulous American businessman and reality TV star Ronald Checker? And, crucially, will Juice be able to negotiate life after a terrible event robs him of his sexual virility? And can a new fascination for the game of golf help him to live without a decent ride? The meaning of the title is starting to sink in now, huh? So that's actually part of the synopsis as well. That wasn't me. So buckle your seatbelts and prepare for one unforgettable ride. I didn't read. This is one of those ones where I did not read the synopsis before reading the book. And I feel like there's a lot of stuff that I, I would be, I'm surprised, made it into the uh, the synopsis for this book. Yeah, I mean, the synopsis makes it sound like like a goddamn mess. Right. I mean, <laughs> no, but I mean, yeah. that sounds, yeah. And it, it's not, it's not as messy as the synopsis makes it sound. All of those things happen. Some of them kind of, I think what you were alluding to was that they they were kind of like made to sound bigger in the synopsis than came yeah. through in the book. Yeah. Like, has he finally met his match in hurricane ball bag? The, the hurricane is comes up a lot in the book, but really is a non starter. Yeah. It's like a thunderstorm. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So I, I see what you're saying. And yeah, it's all those things happen. And yes, it's it's uh, it's a little all over the place, but it's not quite as messy as, as that makes it out to sound. Um, to start off, I guess the first part in the synopsis, this is what our third 
book now where we've started partway into a series. Not that it's a series necessarily. I don't know that we would have gained anything from reading the other ones, but um, it has char- character crossover. So yeah, this has a character that was in an entirely different um, book, and I think maybe other character crossovers as well. So um, it's so hard to remember how it starts out, and here's why. This book is written from multiple aspects. Um, So we have first person from Terry. We have first person from Jaunty. um, We have third person for everybody. We have some first person from Ronnie. We have some some first person from from Juice's junk. Yeah, there's a penis perspective. I think that's the first... If that's not the first, that's not a, not a first, then I'm I'm surprised. Yeah. We have some diary entries. We have some overall third person. In some places towards the end, we have some weird where, like, one chapter kind of switches who it's following, even though that's yep. not. Yeah. I mean, so so it's in the beginning. I think we start off with Terry, but I'm not really sure. So I think um, he's picking up Ronnie at the airport. Right. So he yeah. picks up Ronnie at the airport. Um and Ronnie is an American businessman, uh, land developer who has his own reality show and uh, is a big deal. But, of course, has had his, his troubles in, in the media and stuff. Ronnie um, signs Juice. Are we call him Juice? Are we call him Terry for simplicity's sake? I don't know. Signs Terry up to basically give him rides around town for the, the time that he's there and pays him. A, you know, uh, Terry kind of, I don't know maneuvers him into paying a large amount of money to to be his uh, personal chauffeur and kind of hang out guy for for a, a week or whatever it is um and then ronnie goes to a funeral for one of his closest friends who dies in a very terry i'm sorry what did i say ronnie terry sorry terry goes to a funeral um, for one of his closest friends who dies in, in a really kind of um <laughs> uh, awkward and um embarrassing uh situation so when Terry picked up Ronnie, we kind of got a. If you hadn't read Glue yet, I'm assuming. So this is this is from us having no previous experience with the character of Terry. Um, we get a taste of his personality in the car when he's driving Ronnie somewhere, talking about uh, women a lot, and you're thinking, okay, this guy's really focused on women. But then he gives this speech at the the funeral, and not only is he obviously quite the womanizer. He just is just a dick because he tells this fucked up story about how the guy died and it's like super embarrassing and it pisses off the family and, you know, offends everybody and stuff like that. Uh, So it's obviously setting up that if this is your first introduction to the Terry character, he is just um, a remorseless, like jerk who only cares about banging chicks pretty much yeah i am trying to think because we and when i say we maybe just me i've seen this type of character before and i think it's just that he i don't even know if it's that he's remorseless i just think he doesn't have the sense not to say some things like he lacks social graces yeah i mean he reminds most recently i I watched some of the um the dice sitcom on showtime And Dice even comes uh, across as that sometimes. You know, like there's a part where he's uh, where Dice is giving a speech at a, at a gay wedding, and, and you know, it kind of turns into the, you know, hey, these two homos love banging each other. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. He doesn't know that he's doing anything wrong. I kind of got that same feeling from from Juice that from Terry that he's not, not that he's a jerk, that he just expects that the rest of the world thinks like he does, and he's mm. confused when they don't. Sure. So, um, so yeah, so we have that, which is, uh, a, a catalyst for things that happen far later in the book that, are, that aren't even brought up in this kind of wavering synopsis. Um, so I guess we'll kind of move into our, our third and fourth characters, which I think pretty much covers the basis for important characters. You have Jinty and, uh, and Jaunty who are, uh, are a couple, um, Jinty. All right. So let's back up. I guess Jaunty is, he's a little slow. Um, you know, I, I'm not gonna go to the point to say that he's he's uh, you know mentally incapacitated, but but he's very childlike in his thoughts about he's things. Simple. He's very simple. Um, Jinty, on the other hand, who is his girlfriend and loves him dearly, and he loves her, um, she's a little less simple. <laughs> so she 
um, has convinced Jaunty that she cleans houses, but really she's a prostitute and in a, a sauna, which I, yeah. I guess is, I don't know, maybe maybe Scottish for whorehouse. I, I, I don't know if all saunas there are <laughs> prostitutes, but this is a, definitely a sauna. And she definitely works in there having sex with men for money. Um, but she's she loves Jaunty dearly and, and her it's her job not um you know it's not so much how do i say it's not that she's like you know running out to cheat on john t this is how she makes money for them to be able to live i'm trying to think of the best way to introduce because i want to talk more about jinty and jaunty but um there's there we talked about the hurricane bob egg really quickly because it came up in the um ball bag bob egg uh it came up in the synopsis and so the events that take place that are kind of what caused the rest of the the book to happen um, are on the evening of when this hurricane is supposed to hit Scotland, which I didn't know that that was even a thing. That hurricanes, they just don't happen up there, right? Is that? Oh, I thought you meant you know Scotland was a thing. I was like, man, oh. I even knew Scotland was a thing. No, <laughs> I, I didn't know if they had hurricanes, but I, I don't know. It's sunny there all the time, right? Sunny and warm? Uh, not my impression uh, at all. Rainy and cold, I believe, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, so there's this night where there, everybody, you know, and, and it's, and since, and even in the book, it's, it's obvious that it's not a common thing because half of the people aren't taking it seriously. The other half are freaking out. Um, when, on the night that this happens, Terry, who is doing a favor to, we, I guess we have to briefly introduce another character called what is he the the poof yeah the poof is a gangster who uh owns and runs the the sauna that jinty works at uh is going out of town for legal reasons because he's you know kind of feeling some heat so he goes out to spain and he asks terry who he went to school with to just kind of keep an eye on things and so terry's kind of checking in on the sauna offers jinty a ride in his cab, but not like a ride ride, but then it turns into a ride, right? <laughs> like Just trying to think ride. if anybody's able to follow. We're on like chapter three. I don't know if anybody's able to stay with us on what's happening in this book. So he basically uh, wants to have sex with her, but not as a prostitute just because he wants to have sex with her. And they do. They have some sex, and then they go to a bar called The Pub With No Name, which is not the greatest name for a, a bar. And uh, he offers her some drugs. What is what was the what was the chinky? Is that that's, cocaine? That's cocaine, yeah. I thought so. So they called it chinky, right? Chink, yeah. I don't know. Chinky, Chink, but I think it's chinky. Whatever. Yeah. Maybe I'm just not being accidentally be, racist. Not to, not to be confused with what happens <laughs> if you're wearing armor, right? And you. That's a different thing. That's a different thing altogether. That's a different chink. Offers her the the drugs, and she starts to get high, and then all kinds of crazy stuff happens. Uh, Jaunty comes looking for her, finds her in the bathroom, doing more drugs with someone else, and uh, she's got her boobs out, and so he freaks out. This all happens on the night of the hurricane, and... um, Stuff goes a little bit nutty. So, I don't know. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on, but I, I thought it was important to talk about because that moment where Jaunty finds Jinty doing the thing and Terry had a, just had sex with her, but Jaunty doesn't know it, kind of a, a big moment in, in the book. Yeah, and I, I don't remember if this is even in... Uh, yeah, it's in the thing. She, she goes missing um, shortly she goes missing that night, basically. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, again, a catalyst for a good portion of the rest of the book, at least, um, you know, Jaunty's whole story um, and a little bit, a little bit with Terry. But there is a, a cast of characters. I wish I would have kept track. There's a hundred characters in this, right? <laughs> yeah. I know. I mean, like, if you really total up all the people, like the six or seven guys that are always hanging out at the pub and then... You've got the other there's guys. The cab drivers. Think. Yeah, there's the cab drivers. There's the other guys, the golfers. You know, yep. from not not Ronnie's nemesis. You know? I mean, there's all yeah, these. Gens. Everybody's parents are in this. I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's fucking chaos. I mean, it's it's there's so many people. It's not hard to follow. 
once you get into the story. Um, what is a little off-putting, and I guess we talk about this now, is and 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 Rob alluded a little bit to it. We we joked a little bit about the the beginning about the slaying. Then we talked about Chinky. Then we talked about saunas <laughs> being whorehouses or whatever. This book, or a good portion of this book, is written in flat-out Scottish dialect. So not just that they call cocaine chink or whorehouses saunas, if that's the case, or, or whatever. But whenever you're seeing dialogue specifically, uh, mostly from Terry and Jonty, you're you're reading it in words that are foreign to you as an English-speaking human being. <laughs> um, and I, I don't have my copy open. I guess I could. But, you know, it, it's when it's to the word to, like I'm going to the store, it's T-A-E, like Tay the store. And um, I'm going to randomly pick a, a chapter. Um Runnin' a boot deft, worried a boot wee jinty, doon the stair twice, sir, I, sir, twice, dinne ken where, spelled W-H-A-R-E, she is, keep trying, tay, T-A-E, gee her a phone on the mobile and aw, I, sir, on the mobile, like, it's really, really hard to follow. This is chapter I've, eight, by the way. I've got reading one. I've got one that I sent to uh, sent to someone to, to 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 explain just how fucked up mm-hmm. this is. So I'll read the quote and then I'll read it. What I explained the quote was: "Per boy looks that dip it a probably does nay even ken she's been grafton as a Roger Moore, and that's supposed to make you understand that um, the character is pitying another one for not knowing his girlfriend is a prostitute." <laughs> What was the Roger Moore thing? I actually remember reading Roger Moore, and I was thinking, like, a spy, like, someone who's undercover. Like, I I don't... So, there was certain points in the book where they did use, like, the Cockney slang, like, the rhyming slang. Mm -hmm. And that was one of those, Roger Moore means whore. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. So, I picked up on that. Easy easy to understand, right? I mean, that's... Uh, Entire fucking chapters written that way. There was a few. There was Scooby-Doo... Um, which I think is rhyming for clue, and there is Hampton Roar meant something. George Bernard Shaw's I think meant balls. Yeah, there was a few. Roger Moore was the other one. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah fucked up. see, all of that eluded me. Yeah, I I went the extra extra miles kilometer, the extra kilometer. <laughs> nice. So um, <laughs> so on top of having a ton of characters to keep straight. Um, you have this kind of dialect issue and it changes and man, like a breath of fresh air, you'd start that next chapter and you'd see it's like a third, like a omnipotent <laughs> narrator. And you're like, yeah, here we go. I can barrel through four pages and then we're going right back to this shite. <laughs> oh man. I already love the fact that you said everybody's parents is in this book. <laughs> Fucking no, but am I, am I wrong? Not at all. Every single character's Everybody's parents makes parents. an appearance. Yep, an appearance. There's even like some paternity questions with, with um, Terry. So Terry, I just give you an idea. <laughs> Terry and Jonty share the same father. So John, their their father. Do you remember his name? Hank? No, hey, Hank Henry. Is the brother. Henry. Henry. Um, right. Yeah. Henry was a lot like Terry in that he was hitting everything that moved. So he's got kids all over the place. And Terry even alludes to how sometimes he has to find out who someone's father is in town, a woman, so he's not having, like, sex with his sister. <laughs> Terry and Jonty are brothers, um, and, and their father there is is ailing poorly, I guess. I don't know. He's ailing. Very ailing father. There's, yeah, I mean. Yeah. It's like yeah. on his deathbed. Um, but, you know, there's some questions of paternity there. But, you know, both uh, Jonty's mother is in this. Terry's mother is in this. Jinty's father is in. I mean, it's Terry his own kids, like 18 <laughs> of them. They just keep showing up throughout the course of the book because early on he's got the two little ones that he takes to see. Which I didn't know those were his kids until like yeah. the very end of the book. Yeah, and then later he's got the kid who's like a lawyer who like graduated college. He's yep. got the daughter who wants to be in porn. And it's it just, oh, here's the thing American writers we talked about this a long time ago American writers keep it simple 810 characters tops <laughs> fucking non-American writers are like I gotta get everybody everybody in this town into this book somehow and man he he did a he did a good job of covering all the bases he got everybody 
books yeah foreign books are like weddings like you can't leave anybody out yep. like yep. if because if someone if some character's uncle found out they weren't in the book they'd be pissed off <laughs> That's, yeah he'd be like i this guy didn't put me in his friggin book i don't know it'd be so all right so i think i cannot i cannot believe <laughs> so i think it, it bears to to at least acknowledge since we've been talking about how how complicated it is to read this book, that we're coming into Welsh's world, like nine books into him being an established writer in this style, I believe. I think this is a common thing for him. So, Okay, but to be fair then, if it is, then his first book's like this too. You don't think it started off a little bit, it was like a sentence here and there, and then all of a sudden he went batshit crazy and they just get worse as they go. No, no. Okay. I'm just saying that, like, I, I think that would be, you get what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. the objection would be like, dude, that's how he writes, you know? Like, Well, yeah, <laughs> I know, I understand what you're saying. I'm just thinking if that's how he writes, then that's how he wrote the first one, so coming along late doesn't... Right, doesn't doesn't yeah. afford him any kind of quarter. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, see what you're saying. Here's the thing. I get it. And and I'm sure this will come up a lot more in, in my wrap up of this book. Um I get it. That's how he writes. That's cool. That's all I'm gonna say about that. That's cool. Like that's how he writes. Okay. I remember reading Pygmy from Chuck Polinick that was written in a in a similar way, and when I say that, the pygmy language was kind of all made up. Mm. Um, like it was, this guy had learned English, so it was really hard to to follow and stuff. But it, it was done that way. I know this was done on purpose too, but I'm saying that was part of the book. He came from this fictional culture and was trying to like embed himself in American culture, and obviously stood out like a sore thumb. Um, it was very central to the story. With this, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't even know if a Scottish person could pick this up and just read straight through it and understand everything. I, I'm assuming it's more likely to happen. But well, here we are reading it in the United States. Hmm. So, and then so that begs the question: um, Had he written it in um, what I'm going to go ahead and call plain English, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to try to not sound insulting by that. Um, had he written it in um, ease, in an easier way to read, would it have felt as authentic as far as the culture he was trying to, you know, put put across? Like, you know um, what I'm saying? Because he, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I think that that has a lot to do with perspective. So if he kept the dialogue this way for the characters that needed the dialogue to be this way, and there are parts where you know Terry talks to somebody else who's Scottish. The, the the girl, the the playwright, Suicide Sal, was that her name? Yes. She doesn't talk like this. True. When you so, read her parts. So you're saying give me a third give me an omniscient narrator and keep the dialogue? Like that would have been easier? It, well, it certainly would have been easier because there wouldn't have been entire chapters. Now when we're talking about Jaunty, Jaunty is slow mm-hmm. and simple, I think was the the fair word we used. So his thought process is really fucked up, too. On top of yep. that, you've got words and sentences that are indecipherable, right? <laughs> Ooh, you, you know what I mean? So I, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm sure that would have helped. I guess what I'm saying is that I don't mind reading books that are that, that are work if the work is required for the story. You know, House of Leaves is a tough fucking book to read and worth every minute. Um, Pygmy, I know I'm in the minority. I really like Pygmy. Pygmy suffered from a lot of the same um, difficulties this did, but I thought it was really important to that story, and I just don't, I just don't feel it was that important to this story. Mm. So, um, I was going to go into like precedent, and you, you kind of, you already opened that door. So, like, pretty much Mark Danielowski makes you work for everything, um, but that's in the style of the book. <sighs> yeah, that's a tough call, but um, I'm gonna. I, I'm going to err on the side of it's just, yeah, it's the way. Okay. So we're not going to come to an agreement on this because I think I can see both sides. Like, dude, just make it easy for me to read. Um, You would make a very good point. Like if it's, if it's a make it or break it 
part of the story. Like, I'm not going to get out of the story what, you know, he want, the writer wants me to unless it's like this. That's kind of what you're getting at, right? Like, yes. Yeah, I just didn't think it was necessary. So now I'm going to introduce <laughs> um, Jesse, who suggested this book, or I guess made us read this book, right? Because it was mm-hmm. his um, his Patreon thing. Correct. Um, I think him and Misty Bennett, who is another friend of the podcast, enjoy the book because of that, as opposed to us not liking the book because of it. And that's and that's a possibility. Look, I'm not going to argue that Irvine Walsh isn't a well respected and, and well liked and well read author. He's he's uh, if we were to go through and rank every author that we've reviewed based on success, he's got a, he's in the top twenty, maybe fifteen. Sure, yeah. Okay, so th- this is not we're not reviewing something from a small press where maybe a thousand copies of these books are, are sold, and you know ultimately very few people read them. There's got to be a group of people that do that. Uh, that group of people, if it wasn't for this podcast, wouldn't be me. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have made it four chapters in if this was my own personal reading time, <laughs> pre-podcast, whatever. It, it, the story didn't grab me enough from the beginning to make me do the work. Nor did it seem like the type of story that required work. So, yeah, um, I'm on the fence about that too. I think that um, I'm going to introduce two thoughts. First of all. There was a book that I balked at at first because it was a very similar thing. Um, Everything is Illuminated by Jonathan Safran Farr, um, who, if nobody, if if you don't remember, Rob Hart full-heartedly shit on Jonathan Safran Farr for being, uh, taking advantage of 9-11 when he wrote Mm -hmm. um, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. I just want to remind everybody of that because that was awesome. Um, But anyway, Everything is Illuminated. In the beginning, there's a guy who I think talks in a really, like, Russian using American yeah, English as a second language kind of voice that's really distracting and um, that's how you start reading the book so for like the first 40 pages you're like I, I can hardly fucking understand what's going on and I put down the book because of it uh, later on I tried reading it again and I got through it so yeah um, that's a that's a genuine problem I think now did you say had had you not had you not been reading this for the podcast you would have not finished it i likely would not have finished it because i was thinking the exact opposite if i had more time to kind of spread it out because i kind of pack a book into a day or two (laughs) um i think i would have had an easier time reading it because i wasn't trying to process so much so quickly so i don't know it's uh either way we both had some fucking trouble getting through this book yeah, and I, I mean, I want to. I don't want like we. We I think we've talked about the writing style enough. I, I, mean, I want to get back because there's there's good things here. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a lot more to the story. So I, if you don't mind, I'm going to kind of rifle shot some some things that are in this story and see if we can cover a little bit more of the plot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ronnie is in Scotland. Um, yeah, he's working on some land deal, but ultimately he's there to get a, a very very rare bottle of whiskey. Yeah. Um, there's three in existence. He already owns one. Um, turns out that there's a there's a legal problem. Something happens and, and one of the bottles goes missing. So that's one of the side plots. Um, we talked about um, Terry and Jonty's dad being in the hospital. So you have another kind of side plot. Um, Terry starts, I don't want to say a romance, but a relationship with a woman who's about to kill herself. He stops her from killing herself. How? By having sex with her in the back of his cab. How you always stop a woman from killing themselves. <laughs> Oh, oh, is so that, oh, that okay? Yeah, yeah. If you ever see a woman on a bridge, that. hail yeah. a cab. Yeah, um, you've got <laughs> uh, ultimately Terry's um, uh, diagnosed with a heart condition and he can't have sex anymore. So that is a big deal. And if you get to know Terry, huge deal. Um, Jonty's yeah, Jonty's mother is is. Uh, um, like like uh, my 600 pound life big like she can't leave the house and, and her health is failing and she may die you've got Jinty who's missing and and Jonty who's dealing with that and people who are looking for her and then there's the whorehouse thing I mean so you've got a million different things going on I think I covered all of the big you've got some big soccer game that I didn't really understand <laughs> right with yeah, the hips, uh, the it was no it was something else it wasn't soccer. It was Fitbay. <laughs> I think it was Fitba. No, it was Fitba. Yeah. 
Yeah, F-I-T-B-A-E, FITBA. Yeah. Um, and there's the Hibs versus the Hearts. I, there was something else happening there, too. Um, I think I that was kind of a racist thing. Oh, okay. So, no, I'm kidding. Was... Oh, I don't know, because there was some racism. Hibs versus... just sounds like super racist, right? Yeah, it does. And he had that Hib neighbor. So the, the downstairs, <laughs> downstairs neighbor, I don't know, was a, was a woman, a burqa-wearing Hib. She was Pakistani I don't know. Pakistani or something. Was she I have no idea. Yeah. So, if you guys get that, that's, I think I covered most of the plot lines, in this, which is pretty crazy. Oh, um, Terry starts golfing because Ronnie is going to have a, a golf <laughs> match against somebody for a bottle of this really expensive whiskey. It's, it's all over the place. It's really lots of stuff going on. This book, there's two funerals that take place during this <laughs> book. There is, um, there, oh, there's incest. There's... I don't know if you can even call the other one rape, but there's definitely some some unrequited man on man sex that happens it's, at one point. It's rapish. Yeah, yeah. So uh there's sex with know. there might be sex with a corpse at some point. There yeah, there's that. There's a lot is crammed into this fucking <laughs> book. And that's only the parts we understood. Yeah, there's there gotta be weirder stuff. stuff, yeah. Yeah, there there may have been more stuff. So, um, that being said, the story makes sense, even though it's really sprawling. It's fairly linear. You can kind of understand all the things that are happening. I don't think there's too many reaches like you typically get in the story where something's a little far fetched. Yeah. Oh man, he definitely did a good job of making it seem like all of this was more or less possible. I mean, you know, some things were a little bit of a reach, but like. I, it's it's almost like I could see this being like him retelling stories from the neighborhood. Yeah, there's even a weird time thing that happens. <laughs> so at 70 percent of the way in this book, this fucking book moves forward four months. Four months. Up until then, it covers like a week. Then it jumps forward four months, which you expect is going to be the wrap up. But, I mean, if you're reading the paper version, you know, obviously you can see there's a bunch of pages left. And yeah. the Kindle version, I was like, no, there's still 28% of this book <laughs> left. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that he kind of threw any rule book out of the window on, like, keeping one perspective, keeping stories. Because um, it's linear, but it, it just jumps forward. So, like, time constraints on stories. He's just like, fuck it, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm fucking Irvine Welsh. And, and to give the guy credit, like, it all ties together. It all works together. It's all one kind of flowing um, mesh of stories that, it, you know, there's, like you said, there's no weird plot holes or things that don't seem right. It all fits together, but it's just this big, weird Scottish mess. Um, but it's entertaining. It's like... um. You get that movie where there's like a thousand different people and, and their their plot lines all kind of somehow work with each other and in creative ways. And that's what this is. And I think I was thinking throughout this that it was like, man, this is one of those books where I should have just waited for the movie because it's really difficult to read. But the story, if you're looking at the story just from a, an objective view, is well written and and definitely entertaining and, and, and solid. Uh, yeah, I. Mm. It still bugs the shit out of me, man. First of all, can I just say, and this is completely off topic, I am looking at Rob's notes, and I don't even know how we're friends. You fucking misspelled necrophilia. How did I? How's it spelled? Oh, with two eyes. <laughs> Sorry, I fixed it. I don't need. I don't even know if we could be friends anymore. That's what really upsets me about all of this. That I really. That's I, what's gonna. Co-host. Yeah, it wasn't this book, surprisingly enough. No, I'm actually looking. So you had another note here, and I don't know if it's the size of the font I have on my Kindle, why I didn't see this. But uh, there are chapters. We were talking about style. And, oh, yeah, I guess it is kind of shaped like a penis. You didn't notice that? I, I, I can't screenshot this, and it's not worth taking pictures of it. I think because of the size font I have on my Kindle, it really doesn't right. lend itself to you. You were reading this on an iPad assuming right yeah i will do a screenshot of one yeah. of them yeah so you can see what i saw i'm going to show uh, you a screenshot of a penis <laughs> 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 
Um, I'm going to read you some some research that, uh, that Rob did. The word cunt occurs 764 times, and we should talk about this. The word cunt, when you... Okay, so, Rob, describe, define the word cunt for me. Like, how? what two ways would you use cunt if you were, you know, not the gentleman that you are? Um, I would... Oh, if I were not the gentleman. Okay, good. Thanks yes, for yes, yeah, yeah. thanks yeah, for giving me the out. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, cunt. I mean, there's the. It's it's kind of like a. It's a term that's used for a part of the female anatomy, the vagina. Correct. Right. Yes. Um, as far as when it's referring to a person, I don't think that it's necessarily a negative thing. It's just like a filler word. If to like my impression is, it's like a filler word. Like, like someone could be a cunt that got you mad. But someone could also be a cunt, like the cunt that rang, at, rang me up at the grocery store, and like it's not a negative thing. Like that's that's my impression of it. Okay, I'm going to go a slightly different way. Um, the the way that I understand and have heard people, because I would never ever refer to a woman as a cunt um, it, here stateside. Um, it's pretty much I've only heard it used for women to, to describe. Oh yeah, a woman. well yeah. yeah, like and that's definitely negative. Um, mm-hmm. Like in American slang, it's definitely like a negative thing to call someone a cunt. In this book, cunt only refers to men. Oh no! But this is a cultural thing. So that cunt over there, whatever, kind of what you're saying. But I'm pretty sure it was exclusively used to describe men. It was a lot of those cunts at the bar, you know, uh, this cunt that I just picked up in my cab. So I think that's a cultural difference thing that somebody might be really turned off by 764 uses of the word cunt. But I think you're right. I think it was almost like saying um, uh, this this dude, yeah. you know, kind of kind of yeah. situation. Let's talk about the word fanny. Have we talked about this <laughs> on the podcast before? Um, no, we. I don't think. No, I, don't, I think we've talked about stuff like torch, mm-hmm. uh, and, and but I don't think fanny's ever come up. So let's do this. Let's do the same exercise. If I said to you, oh, hey, look at that fanny over there. What would that mean to you? A butt? I'm Here. hoping a, a woman's yes, butt? Yes. yes, correct. Yes. I guess I guess it could be a man's butt. Could too, be a but dude's yes, butt. Typically, but... yeah, if, yeah. If I was telling you to look, it's probably a woman's butt. So in the UK, and I don't know how, how this gets changed by crossing an ocean, fanny does not refer to a booty. To a butt, it refers to a cunt. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no, it refers to a vagina. Right, right. Um, so it, it takes some getting used to that as as you're reading this. But you know, it made me think about how we came up with the word fanny pack. <laughs> I knew you were gonna go there, man. Because it kind of hangs in the front. <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure that this is how we came up with fanny pack. I think people are like, oh, because, you know, you could wear it by your butt or whatever. No, no, that's not it. Because it hangs by your vagina. Yeah, or or because if you're a man wearing one, you're a fucking pussy. <laughs> I don't know. That's pretty bulletproof logic. I don't know if I can, uh, I don't know if I can crack that one. Yeah. Um, the word fuck occurs 1,491 times. And this book, I think the the paper version is listed out at 530 pages or something like that. So it's three so that's three times a page. Three times a page. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of fuck happening right there. Yeah, it's just pretty much nonstop. It's like a filler word again. Mm-hmm. Yep. Definitely. And most, mostly from Terry, who who let's 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 take a step back. <laughs> Terry is a very lovable character. Do you agree? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. He's like that. Um, he's the like annoying, good hearted friend kind of thing mm-hmm. that you're like, oh, man, sometimes he's annoying, but like he's a good he's he's a good time. He's yeah. a decent ride. He's a decent ride. Nice, Rob. That's very <laughs> nice. Um, I know we have to do quotes and stuff. Are we going to quote from this fucking book? Hey, did we not do enough? I mean, I have stuff, but the thought of having to fucking read it is hurting my head. Um, I'm willing to suspend the use of quotes for for this. Okay. Um, I'm just going to look through mine really quick and see if there's anything that must be must be read. <laughs> see, like this, and this isn't this is this. We're just talking about the word fanny. Um, so this is I think this is pretty late in the book. It, it's after it's after Terry um finds out that he can't 
uh, it shouldn't have sex anymore because of his heart condition. And I don't know. He's talking, and, and he's talking about reading the book, and you know, he's talking about reading Moby Dick and The Great Gatsby, and blah blah blah. And then he says, "But I, but I'm just gonna read this in fucking regular English." <laughs> but I had to stop reading Wuthering Heights as I kept thinking about that Kate Bush, which set off a fanny <laughs> avalanche in my brain. A fanny yes. avalanche in my brain is brilliant. That was good. That was good. All right, so here's one like. If you want to know how fucking maddening it was to read some of this, um, but this is one of the more charming things, and that's why I quoted it, but it was still... I'm going to do my best, and I'm going to read it phonetically. Uh, Dine really ken what a man... A? I didn't... I'm going to try to say it. This is fucking difficult to do. <laughs> I... Ah, uh, meaning me, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, and A meaning him, mm-hmm. right? I okay. and he, yeah. Yeah. A, they did it backwards, E-H instead of A-G. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, Dene really ken what A means, but Terry kens ah, uh, Dene ken without me hoven to say I Dene ken, I sir, A does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and fucking Jaunty, their entire chapter is written from his point of view, and that's Jaunty. That's Jaunty. Um... <laughs> Are we gonna are we gonna talk a little bit about some of the other stuff? Is this is this gonna go into a Patreon only clip? Because there there's some stuff that needs some talking about. Oh, okay. I'm just gonna do one more quote because there was one part of this book that I'm like, I know Livius is is not gonna be happy about reading this, but there's gotta be this one aspect of the book, and I'm surprised you didn't bring it up, that just had to warm your heart or like have you feel like some sort of brotherhood or something. Can you think of something that was a an ongoing thing throughout the book that you would have felt some sort of like kinship to the the smokers, right? Yes, That's what we're talking about the, <laughs> which played a much bigger part in this book than you would expect. Because then there's like a chapter called like Revenge of the Smokers that yeah. has nothing to do with anything. Like I, I don't, Smoking, I don't know, yeah, but, yeah, but um, yeah, there was a little bit of there's there actually was, that. The newspaper article, is that what you're talking about? That's talking about the smokers who fucking fought the hurricane? Uh, 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 no, well, n- uh, that was good, but that's not my quote. So I'm going to read the, the quote. There's this person who is just, um, uh, it's actually someone's parent. It was someone's father who's just completely incensed with the idea of um, smokers having to go outside to smoke. Scotland smokers Erne extended the same rights. Nah, we have to go outside in the rain while drug addicts, jealous drug addicts, are free to break the law any time they likes in the toilets. <laughs> yeah, I uh Oh Maurice. Yeah, Maurice, he was something else. Fucking booty rapist. One term that came up throughout the book multiple times I want to see because you didn't pick up on some of that cockney slang um grassing someone up yeah no idea what that is I'm going to see how many times this came up so uh grassing grassing someone up is uh slang for and I think it comes from the like the phrase snake in the grass uh but it could be some other thing but it's basically like ratting someone out you have like Scottish um, Urban Dictionary like bookmarked on your? <laughs> no, I, uh, it's actually from that came up several times in the movie Rock and Rolla, and I had to look it up because I was like, the fuck are they keep talking about grassing someone up? So that's I just I did some research. That's it. Um, all right, so I think that you want to do you want to talk spoilers? Yeah, let's talk spoilers before we wrap up. All right, now that we're done with spoiler talk, which you can hear over at patreon.com slash book if you're a Patreon subscriber. Um, Rob, are we ready to to wrap this bad boy up? Yeah, I'm going to let you get started because I think I'm going to be a little bit nicer on this one than you are. This book was batshit crazy. Um, We've talked a little bit. I'm I'm probably not going to say a lot new that I haven't said during the the course of the review. Um, It's a huge cast. It's really hard to read at parts. Um, Rob is still explaining things to me from CockneyUrbanDictionary.com or wherever he gets this information from. Um, 
Here's a like kind of like a, a pro and con list. Um, we'll go with uh, pros because that list is probably a little shorter. I, I really like Terry. I, I was rooting for him throughout. And spoiler talk, we talked about the one thing I thought in the book that that did not stay true to what I thought his character was, and, and I'm not sure what his character is from the previous two books. So I I, I might be um, corrected by somebody who is you know more familiar with his character. Um. And some really crazy shit happened. This, you know, I vaguely remember seeing train spotting, but I know that the big thing is the guy's digging around the toilet filled with diarrhea to find his drugs or whatever, and there's like the really disgusting scene. Rob said earlier he was waiting for the movie, and there are several kind of stomach-turning scenes from from this book that we're not going to talk about in the regular review. to talk about a little bit in spoilers. Um, uh, uh, there's a scene later in the book takes place at a funeral. They'll probably be in my mind for, for a long, long time to come. Um, there's, there's the pros for me. Um, the cons hard to read, even though it made sense, there was so much stuff in this book needed to be 150 pages shorter than it is. There's, there's a whole lot of stuff in there that could have come out that, that I don't feel that we needed. And on top of making it difficult to read, now we made it long and difficult to read. Um, if this is the style of writing that Irvine Welsh does, I, I, in all his books, then I'm I'm really sorry to hear that because his Terry character alone is enough to get me to read another book. But not doing it through a 500 plus page, um, difficult to read, multi viewpoint, multi narrator, narrated from a penis. Um, a uh, type of book. So I, I struggled with this a lot. I mean, not to struggle with reading. I struggled with what to review this because I really, really like Terry a lot. I like some of the crazier shit that happens in this story. Um, but ultimately, it's going to come out to two and a half stars for me. Hmm. Okay. Olivia's make some good points. Here's what I'm going to say. This is one of those things where I feel like um, I'm coming into reading an author who has already built a very, very strong reputation for uh, the style that he writes in. Um, does that allow them to do more crazy shit, necessarily? Um, I would point out Haruki Murakami, who uh, is very, very well-liked, whose book I fucking hated because I thought it was terrible. Um, so, I don't know. That's difficult because... I know that this is the way the dude writes. Um, I don't think it was something that I I would have... I'll say it this way. I think it's something that I would have enjoyed more had I had more time to read it. Reading it under a deadline takes some of the fun out of, I think, the way the book is supposed to be read. I could be wrong, but for me, it took away some of the experience. That being said, um, the characters are great. Like Lyphia said, there's a lot going on. Everybody's parents are in the, in the book, and it's so true in such a weird way. Um, even like, even like secondary characters like Suicide Sal, we mentioned maybe once in the regular review. Her mom is in the book multiple times, so like everybody's parents are in this book a lot. Um, so there's a lot going on, but for the most part, the story is consistently entertaining. And considering how complex it is, it's very well written. So I have to give points for that. Overall, the the way, the the obvious objection is going to be having to understand what the hell's going on when you're reading this like phonetic Scottish um, um, version of English, which was just very complicated. Um, which again, to the dude's credit, he pulled off a really good book. Considering he kind of hobbled the readers. I worry that to a point that that's going to turn some people off and that makes this book closer to probably art than your traditional book would be because there's an entirely different conversation that comes in now with, with the style of the writing that isn't something that comes into a conversation in a typical like piece of literary fiction or definitely not in, in genre fiction. So um, we had that conversation. I'm not going to, I'm not going to dwell on that. All this is to say, um, I like this story a lot. I wish I would have had some time to, to just sit around and enjoy reading the book instead of trying to cram it all in my head in the one to two days that I usually read the book. So um, that hurt it a little bit. But overall, I'm going to go three and a half stars. 
Um, I looked up, and I don't know if Train Spotting is his first book, but I know it's one of his early ones. Apparently, that's also written in this exact same yeah um, style because I found an article about it that it says, oddly enough, kind of covers uh, us and Misty Bennett and Jesse Lawrence um, all together. Uh, for readers of Train Spotting who do not come from Lowland Scotland, the main difficulty of the no- novel is also one of its peculiar pleasures: making out what people are saying. Um, for Welsh's characters do not only speak in dialect, they narrate in it too. Um, Sick Boy apparently is um, one of the characters from Train Spotting. He only makes he's mentioned quite a few times. I think he only actually shows up during two phone calls or maybe three phone calls in this book. Yep. Um, so yeah, and then it goes on to to quote some things that sound exactly like they're out of this fucking book. I wanted the Raj to just fuck off, Ute my visage, to go <laughs> own his ain and just leave us. Um, so uh, I'm guessing all of them are, are written this way in answer to or to address something that we'd kind of wondered earlier. Yep. Yeah, and it's going to be one of those polarizing things. Like some people are going to love it, some are just going to hate it. With a book like Train Spotting, you think that that would have come up, though. You know what I mean? That as many times I've heard people talk about Train Spotting, that there would be some fucking disclaimer all over it, like, "Hey, be careful! If you like to read books that are in like the English you're used to, this isn't it." Kind of thing. But I've never heard that mentioned before. Yeah, our friends are just dicks, apparently. Well, yeah, one of them clearly is. <sighs> yeah, so, I was a, a good book. It was. Oh, you know what? I should have said. Right before I gave my stars, I should have called it a decent ride. Damn it. Oh, God damn damn it. it. Missed opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Can we can we kindly move on? Yeah. I don't know if we have anything else to talk about, though. No, we, we have stuff. Speaking of cunts, Paul Tremblay just recently <laughs> interviewed Joe Hill. I don't did know which one that? of them you're calling a cunt, but <laughs> yeah, I, I did see that. I saw that happen. That was a thing. I did, which is very, very cool. They're both, I believe they're both published by the same, right? They're both on William Morrow. Um, probably. Yes, they are. They are. I know yeah. this. And um, we know, we also know that Joe Hill's father, thinks Paul Tremblay, is the fucking, the cat's meow. And yeah. I have to agree with him because that, that book deserved um, winning the... Stoker, Stoker, the Brown yeah. Stoker Award. Um, it won our Best Book of Last Year Award that we did. Remember, and we kind of summed yeah. up our top books uh, that that it was an award, but then it wound up being our favorite of last year. So, um, yeah. So Good there book. was that. So yeah, yeah. Uh, um, let's see what else. Burnt Tongues just came out in another country. <laughs> I saw that earlier today. That sexy lady on the cover. There is, yeah. Talk about um, going a different direction with the cover, huh? Yeah. I somehow feel like Brandon Teets was kind of taking credit for that. <laughs> he yeah. posted it up on the social medias, and I'm like, hey, all right. Okay, the, Brandon. The German edition um, has, yeah, is out, which is um, super cool for a lot of friends of this podcast, who I'm assuming this is their first time that their work is being translated and brought to, um, to another people's. So mm-hmm. congratulations, those of you that are in burnt tongues. I wonder what the German for Pichos is. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> God, we had so much fun with that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you got like three pies out of it. I got I zero pies out of it. That fucking guy hated us. Still probably hates us. He probably so. still, yeah, that's we haven't probably moved the the needle on that one too much. He probably still hates us. Yeah, no, he probably still hates us. Um other than that, yeah, not a lot uh not a lot to talk about. Um I take it you're still watching Penny Dreadful? Is it still is it still great? Man, I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, this season feels slower, although there's so much going on. And I think it's because all of the, all or a lot of the characters are broken up and they're kind of doing their own separate stories instead of the story being all of them together. Uh, It feels slower, but man, there's so much going on and some crazy shit. So they did an episode and you're behind, right? Mm-hmm. Did you see the one, the episode where she's uh, flashing back to being in the the padded cell? No, I did not. I think that's the one I started watching and fell asleep. That episode is just brilliant. Um, it doesn't really spoil anything to tell you that the entire episode takes place in her padded cell, and there's only three characters in the entire episode: her and two others. 
but it's just like it's one of the most like um, compelling episodes of the entire series. It's crazy. Interesting. That may not have been the one because I did start watching one, and she was still talking to the guy who runs the Doctor Sweet. Yes. No. No. Mister Sweet. Whatever. Um, the taxidermy place or whatever. Yes. The, that yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. 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 Is that yeah. his name? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So I. Yeah. So that probably wasn't the one that you're talking about. But yeah. I am going to get back into it this week. I hope. Um, yeah. <laughs> I. Uh, <laughs> the only thing I watched worthy of mention was. There's something in in um, in uh, in Japanese cartoons um, that's uh, for some reason it's called OVA, which it's original something. I don't know. Any rate, they're like extra episodes. So I saw the extra, the OVA for Prison School, which have I have I told you about Prison School? I know of. I've heard you talk about it. Okay, so any rate, it's 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 it was an extra, like a full bonus episode of Prison School that was just fantastic. Nice. Um, that's pretty much it for me. Other than that, I think I caught up on the Vampire Diaries and most of Orphan Black. Not really a lot to talk about there. I'm uh, catching up on season two of Gotham. Not impressed. That's all I'm going to say. They, oh. It's like they're just like, hey, well, we we have no idea what fucking direction we're going because like someone's in jail, then they're out of jail, then they're like back in jail. They're on the run. They're the good guy. It, just fucking pick a lane. Gotham. I'm. I really enjoy Gotham. That's all I can say about that. Did you get I, I through like season two? I did. Yes. D- do you at least see where I'm coming from? Yes, I, I right. do. Okay. I do, and I, and I still really like the show. And, and I think that I, I think you're right that the 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 story's a little all over the place. But you know, you talked about in a decent ride how much you love the characters. Yeah. I am totally in this for the characters, regardless of how the story goes. So I, I really like the individual characters a lot. Also not enough Paul Rubens. No, not as much Paul Rubens as you would have expected, but did they not pick the perfect character to play that guy's father? <laughs> they really did. Yeah. It was good. I, they were like, Oh, we need to bring in his dad. And they're like, can we get Paul Rubens? And someone's like, if we can't get Paul Rubens, we're rewriting this whole this yeah. whole season yep. like, on just on principle yeah. yeah so um i will say though if you're catching up you, you plan on watching the remainder i'm guessing yeah i'm on like i was actually watching episode 18 of the season when you uh when we got started on this call there's only was there maybe 20 22, 22? Yeah. okay yeah selena kyle does something with her hair that she needs to fix before next season i'm hoping mm-hmm. that gotham got all that feedback from the viewers yeah yeah so that kid's adorable (laughs) and by the way one of the best um um what are they called the little uh shit those little vinyl pop vinyls yeah if you see the selena kyle one it's perfect i'm gonna have to look into that it's it's perfect i I happen to see it in a walgreens of all places (laughs) just walking cutting through an alley hey look at that and i go oh my god that's amazing it's adorable that's what Um, i'm gonna do the moment we end this call i'm gonna go find out what that what what that looks like yeah um, I think that we're going to end this call because I think that uh, I think that's all we've got. All right. So, if there was ever an episode that you would want to go over to Patreon and choose the five dollar a month level of contribution in order to hear the spoiler talk, I'm not saying that we went on forever or was this big thing, but like you got to hear us talk about the weird stuff that we couldn't talk about uh, in the regular review. So, Patreon.com/slash/booked. The five dollar level, you get access to all of our spoiler talks. So, we've we've done four or five now. I think this might be the fourth, and they're just fun, and we get to just kick back and talk about whatever, and it's 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 great. So, definitely, I recommend um, doing that. Yes, you should. And you know what? The other reason people should do that. Do you know that this is horror is now ahead of us in Patreon funding? Yeah, I know that, and they got shirts, man. They did get shirts, and the shirts are, are um, they're uh, they're pretty cool looking shirts. What, what, what yeah. else can I say? They're they're, they're, they're nifty looking yeah. shirts. So, two great reasons get us back up at least level with uh, this is horror on the Patreon contributions, and get those um, spoiler talk episodes because they're really good. Yep. All right. Um, if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, do that. YouTube.com slash book podcast. Um, there will be another live booked live tube thing happening (laughs) 
soon, maybe even this week. So Rob and I haven't talked about it yet, but I was gonna I was gonna pitch trying that, doing that again on maybe um, Wednesday or Thursday night. So yeah, I'll do it. I'm always up or down or whatever you want to call it. All right. So Rob and I have to figure out some scheduling things, but yeah, we're probably gonna do that again this week. Had a lot of fun doing it um, last time. This time it will not go till one a.m. because <laughs> I have to work in the mornings. <laughs> yeah, we have real jobs. Yeah. So. Um, but it was fun. So uh, if you go ahead and go over to, again, youtube.com slash book podcast, hit the subscribe button. Um, you'll see it's post on social media when we're live. Um, here's what it is in case you didn't catch the last one or didn't watch the, the whatever replay of it on YouTube. Um, Rob and I talk on video um, about just stuff and answer questions you guys have and interact with you guys. And it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, looking forward to doing it again. Um, had a great time last time. We'll probably have a great time again, and you will miss out on a great time if you are not part of it. That's right. So that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Until next time, I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. Keep ya reading. <laughs> you cunt. Keep, Keep reading, cunt. you cunt. <laughs> <laughs>